Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Today I am rejoined by SG, the infamous SG on episode 82. He appeared on episode 26, which was over a year ago now, and episode 50, which was an MB special, Media Buzz special, which still gets about 10 to 20 downloads a week, which is which is great, isn't it, SG, considering uh, it was so long ago? Yeah, a long time ago, and obviously it's an important uh, aspect, so it's good to see that people revisit and uh, have a listen to that. That's uh... It's obviously good news. Thanks for having me on. And obviously, uh, first podcast after the the award win. So I want to congratulate you on behalf of uh, everyone in the community and uh, everyone you've helped. So uh, well done on that. Thank you very much, man. It was uh, it was pretty surreal considering it was the um, the judges award as well. So I thank everyone who who voted for me to to get me there. But then I think the uh, the the judges decided that I was best fit for that award. But why don't you remind people of your football index journey? Because you know episode fifty was thirty two weeks ago. So that's almost that's over half a year ago so there's been a lot of new joiners and i'm gonna imagine a lot of new listeners since then basically i I guess i'll cut it short because a lot of people will have heard it but i joined january 2016 so it was only two or three months after the index started um didn't really put much money in for the first year and then started putting sort of quite a bit in over the next year um made a lot of money in that in that sort of first 12 months um after putting quite a bit of cash in then slowly started to withdraw it since then and uh, recently got back down sort of a net withdrawals net, net deposits equals zero which is quite good uh don't know whether don't know, don't know what the progress is from here obviously it's sort of uh unknown unknown times i'm kind of hopeful but i don't know obviously getting to important stages in my life as well i'm like loads older now <laughs> so you know there's houses and oh god knows what relationships weddings who knows um oh dear yeah you know life gets in the way of it's that age is it <laughs> uh, so what, what advice would you give to someone starting out now who isn't um you know but at that stage in their life where they're looking at weddings and such um i think i think the, the crucial thing is to understand the rules and unfortunately it's so much more complicated than it was at the start mm. um but with anything like this you you've got to understand how it works before you're putting big sums of money in um there's i think everyone would agree there's sort of four or five categories of players you've got like media players performance players uh, the, the new in-play dividends and then you've got sort of transfer hype which might not really have anything to do with dividends but will go up and then you've got youth players as well which is sort of another newer trend so i'd say there's like five different types of players maybe try and get three or four of each of those see how they progress over the over the next month or so see which ones you enjoy holding see which ones you understand why they rise and fall um see how much time you can dedicate how you think you'll be able to dedicate to sort of maintaining your portfolio because different sets of players will require more attention um and then i get i don't know just see which which ones you enjoy holding you it might be best to just hold some of all of them people always tell you to have a sort of a diverse portfolio um but i think it's important to, to understand the different sort of aspects of football index really Definitely. I think you've answered a question that we didn't actually put into the notes, which was asked by quite a few people and seems to be asked every week. So sorry we can get round to asking, uh, answering some of the questions that were submitted for this one, because actually you've got like 30, 40, 50 questions, which is pretty insane. But one of them that we didn't put in was kind of how, how do you build a portfolio for next season? I think you've 
quite eloquently answered that by giving a bit of advice for people that are starting out. But before we get into those aforementioned questions, I'm just going to plug myself a little bit and, and just say an extra thank you to everyone who, who voted for me um, for the Football Blogging Awards. It was uh, it was really amazing. Uh, it was um, it was a massive honour to be there uh, alone, but to, to win it was another thing altogether. And um, yeah, definitely check out my YouTube content if you haven't already. I'm going to upload a video uh, this Wednesday, which will be the first episode of The Squad Builder, uh, where I chose like 11 players um, at the beginning uh, or the end of March and then sold those players at the end of April. Should have been out at the the, the end of April, but it's been a bit delayed through to, due, to, due to just general life. But yeah, let's, let's get on with the questions. Uh, we had a few miscellaneous ones. Uh, Ryan Pierce, how do you manage to lead the FITP, which is... The uh, Football Index Twitter police, right? Control the market via Twitter and cause all these drops with the Illuminati. And who's your favourite FITP member? Um, I think I'll start with the end of that, which uh, I probably would have said Mr. Pierce himself until he tried to expose me with this question. So I'm going to have to rethink who my favourite FITP (laughs) member is. Um, Obviously revealing sort of the inner workings of the oligarchy and the, the details of my exact role will probably see me exiled. So uh, I think I'll just choose not to answer any of that question, to be honest. <laughs> not even who your favourite FITP member well, is? Well, I'm going to have to come up with a new one. Now Ryan's trying to, you know, uh, <laughs> trying to do some sort of expose. <laughs> uh, but what about from Football in Dexeter? That's quite interesting. Is he from Exeter? That's that's cool. Um, honestly, the, the the handles are getting more and more creative. Like considering we're getting more and more users, people are having to you know get more creative when when creating these handles. Uh, why are your tweets always so fucking negative? Yeah, this one made me laugh. This one did make me laugh. I must admit. Um, I, I think it's it's sort of a reputation that I've got. And I must have got it from being negative in the first place. So it's not like it's an act, uh, but I do play up to it a bit now, I guess. Um, I'm just I'm just a grumpy old man who, who doesn't like people, really. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't say more than that, really. Yeah. You've got a very dry sense of humour as well. So like, I think that, that, that coupled up with being old and grumpy, it, it, it's never going to leave it, lead into like some sort of merry concoction of vibrant positivity mm, I, mean, I, I say i'm old i'm only 28 but i feel like i'm old <laughs> oh, uh, next question from jamie harwood uh, as i see most of the questions i wanted to ask have been asked and i would like to know what sg thinks you fig could do to improve the podcast and make sure you keep winning these awards so what do i do better what do i be- <laughs> what do i do better sg um that's tough because i'm not gonna lie i haven't listened to many of the recent ones so i, I don't know if you've uh if you've made it the best it can be. I mean, the introduction jingle has to go for me. Can't can't oh, stand dear. that. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think I you, think that's a banger. <laughs> I think you. Uh, I think you did a really good job, to be honest. Um, it obviously keeps growing. You, I guess a few. I don't know what sort of people could, you could get on, but you know, if, if it does get a big bit, you could maybe get. I don't know some more famous type. You could get some players on or something. I mean, it's, it's not. <laughs> I don't know if they'd be allowed to do that. <laughs> I did. I did have a really. Um, I did have a really interesting chat with someone at the um, the awards actually. Who he he runs a company that has an algorithm, uh, like a betting algorithm, to kind of find overvalued and undervalued odds. Um, and this is something that's been asked quite a lot by people. You know, 
how do you get acupunters to suddenly turn to football index? And it's kind of the same way that a lot of really good betting tipsers on Twitter or who have these kind of algorithms and these websites uh, manage to convince people that their way of doing stuff is way better than Acker's. And he was just, he gave me kind of a 10, 15 minute monologue about why analog, uh, why analogs, why uh, Acker's are just such a waste of money. And I just loved it. And I think getting someone like that on is going to be really good in the future um, who has kind of, a lot more you know gambling industry experience than i do and a lot more gambling experience in general who can kind of talk to people about why accumulators are such bad value and why um you know the stuff that he's doing is far better value and longevity wise is way better and that also translate really well into football index so i think getting someone on like that is going to be really good i want to get someone like uh big bet fair traders on um i'd love to get yeah some other industry betting experts on yeah just really be interesting to to get their views if they've heard of football index and if not kind of finding the synergies between what they do and what what fi do yeah absolutely because i mean i work in the betting industry myself so like i can certainly vouch for how bad value hackers are uh and it'd be good (laughs) to get someone to sort of explain that um yeah i think i think that'd be a very interesting one actually um sounds good people just don't understand what what value is do they still <laughs> i think that's the crucial thing and i think i think we're going to get onto that someone has has asked that question but before we get into that john renwick has a question how do you deal with uh still actively communicating on their fi twitter with all the negativity aimed at you by certain groups of traders i couldn't tell if that one was meant for me or you to be honest um oh right <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah I'm, I'm, fair, we, we both um, get our fair share of uh, a bit yeah. of stick don't we so um I some think, warranted, some not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From uh, from my point of view, I think back in the early days, it was it was quite a small community. You felt like you could interact with everyone and argue with everyone and and sort of just be on Twitter nonstop. But now it's if you wanted to pick a fight with everyone you disagreed with, you have nothing else to do sort of with your life. Uh, so I, th- I think having been around for a while, it's pretty easy to work out sort of the users. That I generally fundamentally disagree with and just mute them or don't bother engaging with them and. If I do want to post something about a player, I would pretty much just post and mute the the thread and <laughs> never revisit it. I, I don't care what people have to say. I'm not really bothered about discussion. I'm just saying what I think and running away. Um, I think that I think that's just how Twitter's turned into now. It's it is pretty. It's a pretty negative place to be. As much as it can be helpful, mm. there's just so many arguments and stuff. It's I don't know where else really is better. But um, yeah, it, it's hard when there's money involved and football involved and opinions. Uh, it's always going to be um, disagreements. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that it has become very negative. But that's not to say that there isn't a lot of positive as well. Like there are a lot of people still trying to help people out actively, and I do think there is still negativity. You know, on the football index forum, on the Slack community. I think whatever community you're in or you participate in, there's still negativity every, everywhere. And I think it's it, i've always said that you have to look at people who have contrarian opinions to yourself otherwise you get in this kind of um tunnel vision mentality where you just see the positives in potentially trades that or holds that you have and then you never even consider the downside which can be quite dangerous even if you do disagree with people it is very important to to really try and understand where they're coming from because all it takes is you know, a good handful of other people to agree with them and you've got yourself a sort of a profitable way of looking at things. 
Um, and as you say, I, I do like to, to help people that ask genuine questions about sort of how the platform works and you know, dividends, deadlines, whatever. Um, stuff where there is no wrong answer. <laughs> There's no opinions. Yeah. Just, you know, this is how it works. Uh, obviously, helping new users like that um, just makes them feel more welcomed and understanding of how it works. Yeah. And Jamie Langston here asks, and yeah, just moving on from from that to contrary opinions like what i what i was saying uh, i find on twitter any contrary opinions lead to pretty unproductive exchanges what's the best forum for you to learn from um i've i only briefly looked at the sort of the forum the official forum during probably its first couple of months and i didn't really post anything or or get much from it so i don't really know how far that's come since then um the the community or the index gain slack community's it's pretty good, but it's sort of the, the constant stream of discussion means it's hard to sort of actually hone in on what you're interested in or what you really want to find out right there and then. Um, uh, only because it's what I'm used to, I would still have to say Twitter is is useful for learning because you can sort of, you can see a discussion on the specific topic you're interested in and see what people have to say. Sometimes it'll be, it won't be very helpful. Uh, and if you start trusting the wrong people it could go badly but i do think twitter is probably still the best place for that yeah i think i think twitter will remain kind of the the hub for football index for the for the long future to come considering as well that they have their main audience there from a kind of twitter bio a twitter profile standpoint sorry it's it's gonna be i i, I don't know I, I think like any digital business these days uses twitter or social media for their benefit um and i think that's going to continue traders are going to be on twitter more than anything else i just don't really see that trade uh, changing i don't know we'll see i guess but i mean there's going to be you know the forum clearly works for some people and slack clearly works for some people and twitter is currently working for the majority of users so maybe that's kind of a healthy balance and we'll just see those three things grow at the same rate i'm not too sure uh, but we're, I think, we're I think moving gone, go on sorry. sorry definitely important we mentioned we sort of uh say how facebook wasn't really mentioned there and there's a oh, good yeah, reason course, for that yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean like there's nearly there's nearly four thousand members on that group though i mean that's no small small thing i mean i can imagine i can remember before january that was way below three thousand it was like near nearer to the two thousand mark so um i mean a lot of people kind of slag off the facebook community but uh it is still it still has a lot of members on it and it still does provide some good information it just happens to be the case that maybe a lot more newer traders who don't really know the platform as well start there first and then kind of um learn the ropes and then go and forage into other communities and and kind of see if that's a better fit for them than facebook because there are still a lot of very experienced traders on the facebook community and and they stay there because that's where they um maybe spend most of their time social media wise and i think that's maybe it might just be coincidence where why that's happened you know you talked about slack the constant stream of messaging some people might just like that you know they might have a um a night shift job or a, a job that has them on the, on a desk all day and they have slack open and they just talk on it um you know i use twitter because i quite like the um uh just just general interaction but you can pick it up whenever you want uh which kind of suits me 
I guess same with Facebook and then I guess same with the the forum the the forum is something that I go on maybe like a couple times a week but you can still kind of pick stuff up with um, with Slack that constant stream of messaging is great but also they do have you know the more stickier posts like on on their blog uh, chat and and other um, different groups that they've got within the Slack community so I think there's pros and cons to all of them but it's just figuring out which one works best for you um best forum to learn from though from jamie langston i think i think there's going to be bits from everywhere but i think in terms of learning um using some of the resources football index have uh using kind of the the content that's been provided to you by people you know such as myself taking my own horn there but and then going onto these forums with kind of a base level knowledge is going to probably be a lot more helpful than just going in blind uh we'll move on to the next question sam richards and this sounds quite brutal but i don't know if it was intended to be so uh you managed to stagnate for the biggest growth spur in fi history i'm not sure if it was though i don't know if, yeah i'm, if I'm not sure it was but but yeah uh, uh what advice would you give to new users and what have you done differently since i'm i'm sure it was meant to be brutal uh <laughs> <laughs> i um yeah i i i did withdraw a lot of money during that period so it, it made it made my performance look worse than it was i mean it definitely was still bad but it looks worse than it was um i think i think what i don't think i would have done much differently because what i did was i sort of went what did they do they announced the sort of in-play dividends and i had quite a lot of defenders at the time and as with a few other people you've seen posting some of the things like the defenders took a bit of a hit and then i i bought into the in play dividend players and they didn't really take off the way I was expecting to. Mm. Uh, then they announced that there was going to be a share split. So all of the big guys went up loads and the in play dividends just sort of fell off. Um, and I didn't really go into the, the, the more expensive players. I don't really regret that. I don't think that was really the right thing to do. Like since the share split, they haven't gone up much at all. Mm. Um, so I don't think I would have done much differently. I think, the key thing that I should have done differently was being more embracing of the youth trend because I, I just didn't get that for so long and I refused to really, really accept it was a thing. I just thought it, you know, pop immediately. Um, but in retrospect, it, it does sort of make sense how it's gone on for as long as it has. It's sort of like, it is a, it is sort of like a phase like um, performance and media, how they sort of, phase in and out over the transfer periods but I think the youth one could be lots lots longer this is like the first bump it's had and it won't have a fall until you've had a fair few of these players not become the player we're hoping they are hmm. so it could literally be sort of like a, a two or three year wave and then there might be a crash in the youth players when when you realize the majority of those players that are, that are sort of so highly priced now just become an average player at a good team or a good player at an average team and they're just not very good for football index yeah i think that's that that's the key as well some of these just won't become good for football index which is probably the main point right and what, once it hits you that oh when they're 23 and they're at an average team they're going to be worth what 40 50p I should be selling when they're 22. Oh, but maybe then I should be selling when they're 21. And then it all just collapses down. But then it will start again a couple of years later. So it could just be a really long, so drawn out phase that you think. Like we get media ones that come in and out every transfer period sort of thing. 
but the youth one could be like a two-year cycle. Uh, mm. I really don't know how to predict it, um, but it, it sort of makes sense that it's still going in a way. And I, I guess it all also depends on what Football Index do from a dividend standpoint within those two or three years and also whether or not order books come in because I think people are comforted by the fact that they have the instant sell option for some of these players if stuff goes tits up. For example, you know, Callum Hubsud-Odoi got injured. He might not come back as the player he was ever again, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. Pretty serious injury. If there was no instant sell button, what kind of price would he have gone down to? Would we have been looking more at kind of a £2 rather than £3.15 um, if there were order books? So I think that's going to be a big thing as well, SG, like whether or not order books come in and then make it so dividend yielding players become a lot more liquid and those youth players become a lot more illiquid and then if they're crashing those crashes become a bit more exaggerated and then therefore those those players become a bit more risky and therefore people take less chances and hold less of those players yeah i, I think that's also a thing with the youth players you're really gambling on football what football Olympics do in the future you just these players won't really be playing at their highest level for a long time and you just don't know what football index will be sort of rewarding at that time if it'll even still be here who knows it's it just seems a very big gamble in terms of the order books i mean it must have been last summer when they said it was six months away or something and we've heard pretty much nothing since Mm. so i i wouldn't be surprised if they're just gonna not do that (laughs) because i i think they must be making so much money from from the instant sales that that are going through, you know, nonstop on these injured players and and whatnot. And I, I understand that they they wanted to introduce order books so that they didn't have the liabilities uh, of sort yeah. of having to buy back these players. But if they're making so much, you know, they they could they can make between five and ten percent w- with these the spreads that they've got going in the instant sales. I don't see why they'd want to give up that margin to other users. Um, and it, it seems like such a big change. I. I just think they're they're becoming wary to the fact that it might not be the right move. Mm. Or maybe it might not be the right move for the next year or so, um, considering kind of maybe the technical hitches that we've had, having an order book put in place, even if it's built by a third party, there's still going to be some kind of tech issues there where they build it and then you have to plug in your system into theirs etc and it just all becomes a bit more like another layer of chaos basically um so maybe that's been another consideration when thinking about whether or not order books might be the right play and also you know they're probably balancing their pnl quite a lot through instant sell which you don't blame them considering how easily and trigger finger people are um but we'll move on i think we'll, we'll probably come back to the order books at some point because there were a couple questions from them the next question the next three questions i suppose are from people kind of asking how you value players and, and why you go quote unquote balls deep on them so our football index says how do you pick out the players you notoriously go balls deep on fi sexual says can you explain your method for valuing players genuinely interested to know after these couple of tweets i think you tweeted some stuff on how you value players and then football index sodd lee uh, how much joy do you take in owning some of the players down the lower end that get pumped on the timeline knowing you can collapse them at any time with an instant sell of fifteen thousand futures so <laughs> Why don't you start by um, why you go so big on players and then go on how you value some of those players? I think going notoriously balls deep on a player is not something I've done for quite a while. 
Um, I I used to do it just because it seemed make it seemed to make sense. You know, there there just there was something about the player that seemed obviously undervalued. I can't really explain why that is. I, I think the one that I remember most was just Batshuayi when he went on loan to Dortmund, and he was he was like a pound in all the money, so that's like thirty p now. And it it just felt like he was gonna be the main man up front for like the second best team in Germany. It, there's no way there's no way he's gonna stay like this. You just sort of feel it, I guess. It's sort of a. I only really look in the sort of short to mid term, so maybe like a month to six months. That's yeah. that's like the window I'm looking at pretty much all the time. Uh, and it just felt, you know, in the next three or four months, this guy really should be doubling in price. So I'm just gonna go all in sort of thing and those I don't, I don't see that anymore because I find the market much harder to read and the players that I think might have the potential to double I always think there's there's more of an underlying risk mm. nowadays than the, there was before so I find it much harder to do that uh, so I, I generally have a much more diverse portfolio now it's one of those things right you have to be really confident that that player is going to say double but also that the downside is going to be worth actually taking on that risk which is something important i think people seem to only be looking at the upside these days and and not the downside i think for example um well actually i don't want to give an example but if you're buying an a one pound player and you think oh they could go to one pound 50 but they could also go to 50p that's not actually a you know a good you've not really looked at that player correctly and said right that's that's good value because you've basically got you're betting evens if that makes sense that they might go up 50p or down 50p it's not really the right way to do it i don't think yeah no i think a lot of people do just think of the upside um sort of the whole risk reward thing um it's kind of hard to get in your head i think and with people just you know players just rising left right and center you you sometimes just forget about the downside, <laughs> which is which is uh, not a good idea. It's definitely something you want to be thinking about. And I, I, I personally find players much harder to come by now that I just think, well, yeah, this is just bound to go up over the next you know couple of months, and there's just very little risk. Mm. I don't know whether that's just me not trusting myself, or <laughs> I, I don't know. But yeah, it's certainly changed since the early days. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, obviously the pool of players also increasing greatly has has been another factor, right? And also um, in-play dividends means that um, people might not be as patient with their money anymore, if that makes sense. So if you're looking at a player that might double in, say, one to six months, then there might be 25% of people that would have usually held that player for one to six months selling that player to get on maybe players that are rising five, 10% in, in, in two to four weeks, which kind of affects how quickly that player grows for you considering the market's so thin still. But I also think that the way football index have sort of introduced a new, there's always been something new that sort of come along and, fundamentally changes the market even though it's only slightly like the in-play dividends or you know this media madness bonus thing it's just small changes that make a different set of players more valuable so you don't i don't want to go all in on someone knowing that football Knicks might just do a tiny thing that suddenly makes somebody else better value or, you know or, or a better hold and it's just like <laughs> i'm constantly holding back thinking oh well what's going to happen next 
like even the media madness thing it might might it continue that we have five places for media next season i i certainly wouldn't rule it out so mm. you're thinking oh should i sell these media players midway through media madness and then at the end of media madness they say hey we're going to keep it like this for the rest of the season and you, you just don't know and it's that sort of uncertainty that makes it hard to go all in on players really Right, so the next question is from Alan Cooper. He's actually got three, and I usually don't let people be greedy, but um, they were very, uh, they were very good questions. So the first one was, "What are the top three things you do to improve the index as it is now?" I think they need some sort of stats or historical database center place mm. where you can go to a certain day or click on a certain player and see who won dividends or how much dividends that players won that sort of thing i think that's very important i think they should make the deadlines the same i think it's just it's too confusing and i think an easy thing that they can do would be to make the deadlines the same say 11 p.m for in play dividends and pb dividends and media dividends so the deadline is always 11 or something so it's just it's just too many numbers that people have to remember it's it's not it's not good for new people joining up trying to understand everything when there's so many different numbers and i think maybe the third thing would be making it so the single double and triple days are actually single double and triple <laughs> yeah that was a weird move wasn't that it that was a weird move and i think that i think that they will do that yeah i i I think it was a weird move because it seemed to just be, I think this is from the FITV episode that uh, Adam Cole and Mike did. It was kind of like, yeah, we just did it because it was easiest. And I just don't think that's a good enough excuse when you're kind of, um, when you're kind of sacrificing uh, logic and how intuitive the platform is for kind of ease of implementation it's not really the right way to go around it. I mean, maybe there's other reasons we don't know that they didn't mention, but I do think that that was just like a really easy thing to to kind of make traders happy, even those that are, you know, especially those that are very OCD about these things, it, it would have made them happy. Uh, the next question from Alan was, how would you compare your level of enjoyment being an FI trader now as opposed to 12 months ago? Well, I mean, your first appearance episode, was it? 28 which probably was just over a year ago so since then i think i the level of enjoyment is probably a bit less now i think that's fair enough to say about most things though like they do become less enjoyable <laughs> uh so i don't think that's necessarily a bad reflection on on football index or anything uh, i mm. think it's it's just become a little harder f for me to understand the market i think and i used to enjoy being able to predict what was going to happen you can make money off off you know that prediction being correct and now i just find it much more hard much more difficult to sort of tell what's going to happen <laughs> which is obviously a bit less enjoyable so yeah yeah I, I i don't enjoy it as much as i used to but it's obviously still really good fun and mm. profitable so yeah it's great <laughs> uh third question was taking into account likely expansion to further territories what percentage of market cap are we at now <laughs> that's an impossible question to answer i think um i still think we're really really early days potentially i mean what three hundred thousand users is it now 
I think. Yeah, yeah, three thousand registered users. Yeah, so that's a long way to go. There's still a lot of people who who like gambling and football who who aren't involved, and I'm not saying it has necessarily the same appeal as traditional gambling does, but I think we've got a, a long way to go. So I probably not even ten percent potentially, which is mad to think about. But whether we'll get there, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that that might be a long way away, and also depending on what FI do with dividends, what happens with this, and what happens with that, order books, etc. There's there's just too many variables to consider to even kind of try and answer that question. But so I guess we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> FI Yaboa, how has your trading investment strategy developed over the last twelve months? Focus on particular trends versus IPDs or media buzz. Intent on capital appreciation, long term, a hundred percent increases versus short term, ten twenty percent gains. Selling then reinvesting profits what are your thoughts i've always been sort of quite heavy on the trend so i'll have majority sort of pb players and they'll turn into majority media players as we approach summer or whatever and then we go back to majority pb players um i think it has developed over the last 12 months i i've got i like to think i've got a bit more of a spread of everyone Though I must admit, I've basically sold all of my PB players now. So maybe that's just a lie. Um, certainly more in terms of long long terms or short terms, I'm definitely more short term. If, if a player spikes 20% on a day, I will almost certainly sell them, regardless of who they are. Um, unless I think there's a very another short term spike coming like the next day, uh, which is rare. Um, but I'm not at all afraid to buy them back. You know, a week later, if they if they've gone back down or even gone up a tiny bit more, and I think they're good value again. It's it's all about the sort of short term for me. I'm definitely not bothered about getting a hundred percent a hundred percent increase on a player. It's uh, very rare for me. <laughs> but also, I think people don't realise the the hundred percent looks good. Um, but if you do sell a player after twenty percent and then reinvest those gains, then that kind of compounding effect is is so 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 great. there's a reason people call it the eighth one of the world and that compounding effect really works with dividends but people kind of underplay how well it works with kind of um capital appreciation and reinvesting those profits yeah so much so much about it is psychological so much about the whole platform is psychological um people like seeing that they're they've got a huge profit margin on a player you know it's like they've got that sort of cushion where it's like well i've made loads on this player it doesn't really matter what happens from here on out which is a bad mentality to have it's you know it's not the way to to maximize your profits you want you want to be thinking of the sort of here and now what's going to happen over the next month or so for this player do i want to be buying more selling him it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter what happened in the past it's about what's going to happen next um so i think it's all, i think more people need to start thinking about short term you know get that 20 percent, move it into another player that's going to go up 20 percent in a reasonably short time move that and yeah, as you say the compound the compounding uh, gains just they far outweigh that sort of long term, long term hundred percent you're aiming for. Yeah, I guess it also depends on your personal strategy. I mean, yeah, if some you people have, obviously don't have the time to to spend doing that, but some people do. <laughs> and if you do, you should try to. Outside of what has already been officially mooted as upcoming innovation by Football Index, i.e. order books, or recently implemented, i.e. in-play dividends, what would your suggestion be for a really innovative, unique uh, selling point that pushes the platform forward yet again? This is a tough question. 
um, putting me kind of on the spot to come up with something good. I don't think they really need to do, they already have that. I, I don't think there's a need to really do anything drastically new and unique that's a new thing. I've I've always quite liked the idea of them offering sort of fixed odds betting like traditional bookies would do, but on their own platform. So rather than say, if you think, say you don't own any Neymar, but you think, oh, he's bound to win the performance dividends today. Rather mm-hmm. than buy him for seven pounds and get five P, you can place a bet on him winning today at like five to one or whatever odds you might be. That sounds about reasonable. So they can mm-hmm. offer that sort of very short term, bigger gain if you want to back a player for the day. Um, I, I seem to remember me, me, you, and Adam Cole talking to talking about this at the Birmingham. Was it the Birmingham Manchester trader meet? We talked about this exact thing, having a, a, a fixed odds um, part of football index, and I, I seem to remember you being very for it, and me being kind of like mm, not sure about that. I, I think ultimately they they don't really need to do anything like that. Certainly not at the minute. I think they just need to grow it as it is. Um, there are obviously a few avenues they could they could go into. Like we, you always mentioned, the um, the thought of building a team for the day and the best performing mm. team gets a payout, which which I quite like as well. But it's just more layers of complexity onto uh, something that's already very complicated. I, I just don't think it's the right thing to do at the minute. Yeah, I used to have loads of ideas in this kind of down the path of kind of another USP. But the more I think about it, the more I think that football index just need to kind of simplify the platform as much as possible because if you simplify it that makes it more likely that people more people would join so i think you know making mb open to everyone is the first step um and then there's going to be loads of other things that i think will be done to make it more simple to understand the platform and therefore more likely more people will join it so for me i don't think they should add anything else as another layer of complexity people who are kind of early adopters uh like myself like yourself like football index focus um it would be kind of easy for us to understand if they added another layer but if you keep adding these layers then it kind of becomes nearly impossible for someone someone from the outside in to understand it so uh, or it will take a very much longer time for people to understand it and i think football index are, are wary that they have they don't have an unlimited time window to kind of become a mainstream successful product which is kind of you know important isn't it yeah of course yeah that they they're obviously pushing advertising and and they want to become as big as they can as quick as they can and uh, i mean i mean doesn't look like their tech is up to that but um it's so long as they could they can do that and, and the way to do that like you say i think they need to make they've gone too complicated they need to make it simpler to grow it and then you can start think about adding these these extra things on but it's, it's not something that i would do now if that was them it's just uh as you say for a new user joining up it's uh it's a lot of information to take in and i, and I wouldn't really know where to start if i join now <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the, the next question is from Paul Anthony. What's been your favourite change FI have made since the beginning and what one change do you think would benefit the platform most going forward? I think you've answered the second half of that question already. So why don't you have a crack at the first? What's been your, your favourite bit that they've added since the since the start? I think the most... Imp- well, there's a couple, two very important bits were the ability to instant sell because before you would just have to wait around for weeks for somebody else to buy your player off you and that obviously was never gonna last and performance 
introducing performance buzz i think without that we would have uh we would have died a long time ago um based if we just had to do everything based off media so they, they're two very big changes but without them it, we certainly wouldn't still <laughs> yeah i think performance buzz and, and instant style were definitely the biggest things that have been done um since the start uh the next question is from fi jmar so he's just taken the J and added it to the beginning of Neymar instead of uh, at the end. I see what he's done. Uh, considering FI raised dividends in line with the liability over three years, do you think it'd be a positive move to reduce the length of time you can you can hold to, say, two years or 18 months in order to raise dividends again? Interesting. I think if, they're, if they are going to change the sort of uh, the maximum hold time, it's only going to get longer. I, <clears> I think so few people so few people hold so few players for that maximum three years that it doesn't make much difference to to FI's profit. Um, and I, I don't I don't think it's something they want to have. I think it's something they have to have um, sort of legally to make it a bet. I, I don't think they'd really mind if you just held someone forever. I, I think there's just so much trading in and out of players generally from the vast majority of users that... The amount of shares being held for three years is is so small; it, it just doesn't really matter. So I, I think if they did change the length of time, it's it's only going to get longer, and I think they can afford to raise dividends. Yeah, I I think that from their standpoint as well, I don't think three years to two years makes that much of a difference in terms of them assessing the risk of a player. If that makes sense, I I think because there's so many variables, it's so clouded as to what is a risky player for them to buy back and what's not. That for three years or two years, it doesn't really matter that much, does it? I, I, and I think we go back to the point that Sam Friedman uh, made when he was on the podcast episode 61, I think, or early 60s, where he talked about kind of how um, it, the only thing that really matters is the commission to hold length ratio. It doesn't really matter how long the holds are. It's it's that ratio between comms and uh, the length of hold, which is really the important factor. Yeah, yeah, basically, um, I agree. It's just it. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's a huge point. How long the the hold is, I don't think it's going to make a, a vast of a difference, and it's not going to make much of a difference to FI's calculations of of what they can afford to do based on that. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's going to make much difference. Yeah, and I think that the increasing dividends thing is going to be. I, I think that. The next time Football Index increased dividends, it's going to be so that they can change something. For example, are they going to increase dividends if they if they change the performance buzz scoring algorithm, or are they going to increase dividends when they open up media to European outlets as well as UK? I think the next time they increase dividends, it's going to be done in conjunction with a, a rules change. If that makes sense, that makes sense. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense for them to do that as well because i i just think um it's the sort of thing where they don't have they don't have to increase dividends at any point really and it makes perfect sense to do it when they're doing something else that affects the platform that people might not be happy about or mm. slightly changes the bet to sort of for example, soften the blow books, right? like even with order books when they're implemented a lot of people might be scared about them but if if uh dividends are increased 50% there's going to be less people that are scared about it and more likely to kind of risk capital for bigger gains yeah exactly so so if they can afford to increase dividends it makes sense to to wait until there's 
something that sort of forces their hands. Mm. I don't see any reason for them to do it until that happens, which is a good sort of situation for them to be in. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a good it's sort of a card up their sleeve, I guess, that they can just increase dividends when they need to. It, it, it doesn't bode too well for, for the longevity of the platform when you sort of put it like that, but I, I, I do think it could still work long-term that, you know, when needed, they can afford to increase the dividends. They don't just want to do it willy-nilly just because it, they could. It, it needs to be when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next question is from FI Lollipop Man Steve. Which traders do you admire and respect on your journey along the football index road? And did you follow up on anyone's Twitter profile when they put something out there? Hmm. Um, there are there are a fair few uh, Twitter profiles out there and stuff that I I do follow and I I generally agree with, but most of them don't really mention specific players and if they do I, I'm always wary that you know whenever anyone posts about anyone you know that they've got a fair few of those players and at some point at some point they're going to sell them that so basically everything on Twitter is a pump and dump over a certain amount of time you know you own the player at some point you will sell the player it might be a year down the line but still you're trying to get more people to buy before you sell them now that that's just what Twitter is. That's fine. I don't mind that. Um, so yeah, there's, there's people out there I uh, I sort of admire and I trust, but I I still would be very wary before I follow them in. And also, you can't really name and shame. Not name and shame. You can't really name any of them because they're part of the FITP. Obviously, right? yeah, yeah. I'm not naming any names. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it'd be silly to do that. Uh, the next question is from Fi Dabala. Um, you appear to dislike the youth hype trend. People who dislike this baffle me. Surely you are in this to make money, even if you don't agree with it. It's a trend and surely good investors, and I'll put that in in uh, kind of air quotes because this is a gambling platform, invest in that trend to make money. No? Question mark? I, I do see what he's saying here, and I I do disagree with it because it, I think it is just a trend, just like you have the trends of, like we were discussing before, you have the trends where you think the media players are going to go up because it's tr- summer transfer window, or you think the PB players are going to come up because you know it's two months before the season starts or whatever, and people are going to start buying. So I think it is still a trend like that where, oh, you think the youth players are going to go up because the youth players are going up. With those other trends, like the media and the performance ones, when they start dropping, there's an explanation. There's, oh, well, the season's coming to an end. The, play- the performance players are going to drop. People will understand that. When, if the youth players start dropping, the only answer you've got is, oh, it was a huge bubble waiting to burst. And people won't understand or accept that or, or find the logic in that. They're like, well, they'll be like, why? And the whole platform will, will sort of suffer because these users won't understand what's happened yeah they won't be able to grasp why it was a huge bubble um and then it's just it's going to be a big hit on the platform it's not an understandable trend when it drops as the other trends are yeah i i think that thing that you've said there about it being bad for the platform when or if people start realizing that some of these youth holds are really risky it, I, I do think that people who say, you know, why are you against it? You can make loads of money on it. Great. Yeah, sure. But you can still be against it even if you're making money on it. I think there's people who say, oh, well, surely you're part of the issue if you're buying them. Well, you know, you can still make money on these players and still be against it. 
right? I think it's bad for the longevity of the platform if the thing that drives Football Index, aka dividends, are not at the kind of core reason for um you know price increases and people could point to Neymar Pogba being kind of at the top of the tree and being the two biggest uh, dividend yielders in general or like kind of you know over the last year or so whatever and and Messi being up there as well but in general like across the whole platform I don't see we I don't think we see enough of kind of like dividends driving player prices and, and that's maybe a a bad thing I think we've seen it a few times this season for example when Jonathan Tarr won it a couple of times he saw like a massive increase I think you were a big fan of that kind of rise because it was very logical uh SG but I, I think in general um it's bad for the platform if someone comes on and they don't really understand why a player's dropped. Whereas when you when you were talking about kind of why a PV player drops, it's kind of very obvious. They've either stopped performing or it's the end of the season or they don't have any good fixtures for the next six weeks, whatever it may be. Yeah, you, you want you want to be able to explain the drops and the rises in terms of dividends. That that's the only way it really makes proper sense. Uh, and you can do that with the with the media and the performance players. You can you can sort of explain that, and someone can understand that. But it's like you said, surely good investors investors invest in that trend and make money. And yeah, they do. And I mean, I've bought a fair few youth players recently, and I've made money. But I think good investors would also realize the bigger picture and and understand that it could lead long term to something a bit dangerous. You know, people have obviously got caught up slightly in it because it's it seems to be anyone young has upside, which just isn't true, right? I think um, there were there's definitely people who have been at the level of some of these youngsters before in the past and then ended up having nothing careers, which I think people just don't realise. Like, I've said this a few times before, we talk about kind of the likes of Messi eventually going to zero. Some of these youngsters who are you know, above a pound even, are going to be at zero quicker than Messi, which is a risk, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, people are, are pricing them. There's there's the argument that a player should start at sort of their maximum potential dividends and then slowly, you know, unevenly decline until they retire. But mm. but some of them, some of them will be worth practically nothing with no potential by the time they're 23. Uh, yeah. that's just the way a lot of these careers go. And you you just can't predict the, the dividends of someone over, over their career. You can barely do it over one season. So yeah. to, to price them so highly, so young, just doesn't really make sense to me. And I, I get that it's a trend, but I also understand and expect it to be a, a trend that will take a nosedive at some point. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be a point where there'll have been a youngster who's now 18 who becomes 21 in three years say who is literally not worth or basically worth their ipo price which will probably start putting people off and making them realize that some of these holds are risky but you know i agree while the trend's there you can you can make money from it but it it doesn't mean that you can't dislike it because for for the good of the platform basically yeah absolutely absolutely yeah that's that's sort of my main gripe against it is that i think it's going to end in a a lot of pain for a lot of traders and mm. it's going to be a blip on the whole platform at some point the next question is from rob for index now uh, question for your guest is posting news on twitter about an inevitable rise in players for upcoming games okay such as looking two weeks ahead buying early and then sharing the news and selling before kickoff at the peak i guess this goes back to what i was saying already every every post on twitter is basically a pump and dump it's just 
how long you're planning on holding them until you dump them. I, I think that's fine because uh, that's what it is. That that Basically, everything on Twitter is, you know, you suggest a player just because you're not planning on selling him immediately doesn't mean you're not planning on selling him ever. And you mm-hmm. will sell him. And the more people you can recruit in that time, the better. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's fine. That that is that is what happens. I think he's doing it very brazenly, and people don't like that. And I think people just don't trust you. If if you're obviously doing that, people don't trust you because they know you're going to sell them soon. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's going to come back to bite rise, you, really. Yeah, and I'd also say if the rise is you know quote unquote inevitable, then what's the reason for the tweet yeah exactly and, and once you've posted about it you can't prove it's inevitable because you've tweeted about it it's one of those sort of self-fulfilling things like oh it's inevitable yeah but i told you it was inevitable so you bought and therefore he's risen here so yeah i, I don't mind it i don't mind it that's that's how the platform works <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i like you know people i don't do it for a reason i, I, I want to kind of stay impartial and neutral to it but if people say i've bought this player and i've sold this player I don't really have that big a reason against it, but if you're kind of like posting about a player saying, Oh God, you know, what a ridiculous price we like, I've just had to get on because he's that price. And then hashtagging football index with a few rockets. I kind of think that's to some, to some extent irresponsible, but also you, you, if you turn away one user because of your tweet for some short term gain, and then that user tells 10 of their friends that Football Index isn't really even worth batting an eyelid, eyelid at, then that ripple effect can be bad. And if hundreds or thousands of people are doing that on Twitter and then hundreds or thousands of people are being turned off the platform and then they're telling their friends, that network effect becomes far larger. And I think as a community, there's kind of a responsibility to, to uphold the values of the platform. That's true. I hadn't really thought about it in, in such a grand scheme of things like that. Yeah, I, I think I think generally the people that do it generally get called out pretty quick and mm. you you know not to follow their tips or you know the risks of following the tips. But yeah, I certainly agree with what you're saying in terms of if it does put a, put a new user off and they tell other people, I think I think perhaps you're overplaying it a bit. I don't think it it happened <laughs> that way. I don't think it happened that way uh, in, in most cases. But uh, I do see what you're saying. Uh, but it's it's never going to stop no matter what we say so uh... <laughs> that's true well well i hope it's not as bad as i i think it is but um that there's a chance and if it is i think we should um turn it down a little but i, get, I my thing would be if like if the rise is inevitable what's the point in even expending the energy to tweet it um if it is inevitable because they know it's not inevitable don't they <laughs> <laughs> you got to say uh, do i do i edit that out or do i leave it in uh sg i think that's all we've got time for man um have you got any other things that you want to touch on any other business anything that you haven't talked about that you want to talk about uh no not all not all i was just uh just coming in because i was invited and uh i hope i've <laughs> i hope i've done a reasonable job of uh discussing some stuff uh certainly certainly nothing really to uh to put from my end no thanks for having me on <laughs> thank you for coming on where can people find out more about you and your uh negative tweets uh yeah so if you want to come and you know argue with me i i won't read them so i'm on uh i'm on twitter at cy gaskell it's just called sg there's probably a few other accounts that are following me that you'll manage to find me through but uh yeah yeah come come and uh if you like me then uh come and spar yeah come and spar <laughs> yeah let's let's have an argument no i i, I don't <laughs> do that anymore it's too tiring but uh 
<laughs> and there's too many Football Index Twitter accounts now. The community is so big that you're suddenly not arguing with one person, you're arguing with 10. And then there's another 10 people backing you up and you're like, what is actually If you say smart there? stuff, I will follow you though. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, just, you know, come and, come and be friendly. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you guys are on your commute, uh, have a wonderful commute and I hope this makes it go that bit quicker. If you're not commuting, uh, have a good time doing whatever you're doing, uh, tending to your horses, cleaning a bathroom, having a bath, whatever you're doing. Uh, Keep telling me about it because it's quite funny. Uh, Sorry if we didn't get time to answer all your questions. Uh, I thought after the complaints that SG had been asked back on we wouldn't get that many questions but we ended up having like 50 or 60 that we had to pick out of which is brilliant and uh, lastly I'd just like to thank everyone again for voting for me uh, at the Footballer Blogging Awards it was uh, an absolute honour as I mentioned before to, to win the award and uh, yeah hopefully I, I've been flying that Football Index flag well for the past year and a half and I, I hope to continue doing so thank you very much for listening and have a good day